0: Welcome into Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Time on Podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and welcoming back this week is my co host, Randy Sherman. Big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're looking to spend less on team packs this year, check out 323 Sports' famous $55 team packs. They have four pieces of apparel in each pack a short sleeve tee, a long sleeve tee, shorts, and a hoodie, all for just $55. Your players will love them, parents will love them, everybody loves them. To find out more about what 323 Sports can do for your program, visit 323sports.com or you can email a sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your basketball program. We are entering here the kind of the early months of of basketball practices. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I asked this last week, Randy, on my Twitter account, I did a poll and asked coaches, what do you focus on in the first week? More so offense, more defense or kind of 50-50 split. Yeah. I was a little surprised at the responses that I got. I had 28% of them said offense, hmm. 29% of them said 50-50 split, and then 43% of them said defense. I guess I would have been maybe more surprised if it was a bigger percentage there for defense.
1: Uh I That's that's a kind of a three-way split. It's not kind not of too yeah, far
0: off, but not too far off. What would you think of the three How about if I just ask you what would what you would I primarily answer? think offense? Of? Yeah. And reason being why?
1: Um, just sort of the timing and sequencing and court coordination it takes to sort of run run a nice half court offense, and just to me, um, just needs more time than than um, anything else. So, I would say we're still going to obviously practice those other things and do some both and do some defensive only breaking down. And but but I would say probably i would have answered offense and been in that what was it 29 percent?
0: yeah i wondered how many of them like the thought process behind it i i doubt they would be all the same i've heard some I, i've even felt this sometimes like you want to make sure that your players know that the defense is an important part of it mm-hmm. i've never had to talk anybody into playing offense i guess is what i'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the just knowing that the defense is a priority i wondered how many of them it was based off of you know, the
1: old slogan, defense wins championships. Um, well, I think I think somewhere in our coaching hardwiring, I think people are kind of more of an offensive guy or a def- more of a defensive guy or, sure. or, or, or gal. Um, I don't, you know, like you see that in football. It's pretty common. Like he's a defensive coordinator. He came up on the defensive side of the ball and now he's a head coach or, you know, like, Or, or offense. You see that on the football side, that's pretty common. But I, you know, in basketball, we got to coach it both. It's more free flowing. It's the same players. But I do think that if we we kind of have just sort of a natural inclination toward one side of the ball or the other, and 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 maybe even do a little better job on one side of the ball or the other, I would I would say mine is probably offense. Um, But. Um, that being said, you got to coach it both, and and I want to have a good defense as well. So um, yeah, but I'd say more of my focus would be probably on offense. Um, if you made me gave me only those choices, yeah.
0: So we decided to go with what uh, the consensus okay, voted on and so we're going to talk a little defense today and I wanted to ask the you people
1: have spoken the people yeah. have
0: spoken and now so we're going to go ahead and give into it and talk a little bit defense and I, I've got some just get your random thoughts I think on some different topics some that okay. have come from some of the drills and small side games that I've posted and gotten some feedback from coaches and so it may be a little all over the place but I do think it would kind of give some a light into at least one coach's kind of thought process for it, maybe uh, encourage or stimulate the thinking of like why you do the things that you do or choose the things you do or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what you finally come upon, like this is what it's going to be within our entire system or whatever. Um, I'll start with this one. If you were coaching today, Mm -hmm. what
1: would be your base defense and why? I would say man to man, um, Do I need to be more specific than that?
0: Uh, Uh, You can, but I think probably the the reasoning behind it and how you come to that and the level at which you view yourself coaching would also impact
1: those things. I think would be good for people to hear. I, I, I view myself probably coaching high school, maybe small college, something like that. But, but let's just say kind of in that range, um, I would I would say man to man just because I think I think of the accountability piece of 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 sort of the um, I, I like it when my opponents are guarded. You know what I mean? Like I don't like a player to be like in 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 zone. Like I've ran zone and I, I like some zones and and. Um, what I, what I always felt uncomfortable with is like a player having the ball, an offensive player, having the ball and finding a little pocket of air to like where they're, they can find a little safe space maybe for a moment or two, like where they're not guarded or they can get in a spot where they're open. And that, that may be really basic primal level, like discomfort that I'm trying to express, but like, I just don't like players being unguarded or open. I, Mm -hmm. I want them to be guarded. Mm -hmm. So that's that's super simplified answer of what why my why is like I I'm more comfortable when my team, when the opponent is being guarded closely, Mm -hmm. than them being able to find a gap or a little space or getting a short corner behind the defense and having room to operate like I, I just never really felt great about how that looked and felt at all. So
0: the biggest piece for me was the accountability. Part where whether Mm -hmm. it's rebounding or staying engaged throughout the possession, the zone of sitting in our areas, whether or not you're aggressive with it or not, um, there was always that at the end of the day, somebody as I watch film could justify why they didn't have that person or why Mm -hmm. they didn't box out that person or. And just creating that more of aggressive mindset. But with that being said, uh, we've actually used a little bit more zone the last couple of years. Yeah. But we've used the matchup zone and taught it more of okay. more of a more of a man. Um, I'm I'm matched up from somebody with somebody from the beginning and I'm always accountable to somebody. Um, I don't know if that's a great idea. I don't even know if we teach it that great right now, but that's my next quest I think is to become a better matchup zone defense coach. But now yeah, the reason a- being, I just hear a lot of coaches, especially high school, I don't coach at high school, but I, I probably would feel this way, but there's also uh, part of this at the college level, small college level, just the amount of shooters that you have. And most will say to me, you know, we just really, we, we get more, there's more of a threat if people put the ball on the ground than just passing around the perimeter and mm-hmm. beating us with a three-point shot. And I get that.
1: It's a valid point.
0: Yeah, I get that. So, I mean, I would encourage coaches to think like, what What am I willing to live with? What What am I going to get annoyed with if it's like the accountability part, part of yeah. it? Uh, and my philosophy then should probably look to minimize the things that I, I know that we can't live with or I don't want us to live with.
1: Yeah, I just always felt in zone. Like a our opponent, they could stand in places that gave them kind of safe ground and and breathing room. And I, I'm I that's I just kind of against my nature. So I, I liked I like that. That's that's probably the reason behind my answer mainly. Yeah,
0: That's good. Uh, all right. Next one here. And this one came okay. off of uh, this is this is something that we've been discussing with our players. And maybe to add a little bit more clarity uh, to remove confusion on their part, <clears throat> I was trying to think of like the best way to answer this. But there's always this kind of when do I give help and when do I not give help? There's a clear this is where I stand when I'm in help. Mm hmm but because so many offenses are now based off of trying to get to the rim or to the paint at least, right? but us also not wanting to bring always two to the ball because then we create long closeouts, or how do I know like when I'm beat do I need to go guard somebody else as the person who was guarding the ball? So I guess my question is, how do you teach it, and how do you avoid if the offense, modern offenses, everybody's trying to put the defense in the dominoes, how do I avoid finding myself and my defense in kind
1: of a blender where we're just kind of trying to catch up to the ball or catch up to the offense? Okay, so on the screen here, you've got the question, help off the strong side corner. Oh, my fault.
0: There oh, when to, okay. when to give help.
1: Okay. Uh, simple answer to that to me was, when, was is when penetration is threatening the rim when when there's and if we're talking about dribble penetration now we might have to help on a post entry or a, a back door cut that get i'm talking about dribble penetration help on dribble penetration mm-hmm. i would say is when that drive threatens the rim that's when that's when we need to help i i, I do see a bit of over helping sometimes in defense where like man anytime a, a guy you uh, hears a ball bouncing like someone's yelling help like it's as soon as you hear the air or the ball dribbled, help. You know, I I I'm not in that camp. I want the on-ball defender to 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 win that matchup, compete on the second or third dribble. But if they're defeated and that drive is threatening the rim, we gotta we gotta protect the rim. We gotta help at the rim. So that's my short answer: when to give help when a drive is threatening the rim.
0: We've probably even gone earlier than that, and I think it's out of a. Uh oftentimes the help comes too late or so late that mm-hmm. you end up either fouling. We went with just, I mean, if if the guy gets even kind of a small advantage and a half step in front of you is to go ahead and, and let the help defender step up and meet him chest to chest, and then you rotate off of him. And that creates its own set of problems. But that key word that you said, the overhelping, I tweeted the other day, I feel like it's a pandemic in basketball because there's – oftentimes you'll see two or three people and they'll say, well, we were stunting at the ball, but you've got three or four people now surrounding the ball in the paint. And now it's just wide open. It's almost like shooting practice for teams on the outside. So I think giving clarity to your team about like when exactly to help, like, and the more specific that you can be, the more specific then you can be accountable, holding them accountable in a film room by saying we should have, peeled off here or we should have gone away from two here um, because of what it creates for the offense the three-point attempts on the outside so just being clear I think about like when exactly we're giving help rather than just you know when he when he helps if you think he's if he's going to get to the rim like go ahead and step in and help there
1: yeah I think too that that that's a form of discipline right like I'm you feel like you're doing something good I'm helping but we have discipline about who helps and where they come from and who helps the helper. And if that ain't you don't help, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, like, so, um that then that to me is an extension of discipline. Like, yeah, we want to help. We're not like a no help defense like Mm -hmm. that. That's a great way to get layup shot on you all night. But, um, we want to be very clear about, um, who helps, where it comes from, and who helps the helper. And that's usually just two players, mm-hmm. um, you know, the person to help and the person to help the helper. And and uh, if, if that's not you, then don't. And, and you feel like you're doing good, a good effort, uh, making a good effort. If that's not you and you're helping anyway, you feel like you're doing a, a positive thing. But discipline would ask, hey, it's not your, not your role right now, not your assignment right now. So um, by doing what you felt like was a positive effort, you put us in a bind defensively because now we got three guys, four guys at the ball, and we leave ourselves subject subjected to three point attempts. A couple
0: other things that came to mind: you said putting pressure on the rim, like I would phrase that as like there's a good chance that they can score either yes. with an advantage or uncontested. I see a lot of times somebody drive and. Like, their shoulders aren't inside the backboard. Like, they would be taking a really tough shot. Exactly. And somebody's coming over to help. Like And the on-ball
1: defender's maybe still kind of with the guy and is able to contest in the air. Yeah, Right, right. Yeah, so watch for those. And
0: it can be tempting, I think, the discipline, the word that you said there. Like, it can be tempting as that ball's being bounced right behind you to turn around and try to swipe at it or step in, and that's when we
1: get ourselves in trouble. And it goes, it goes back to the overriding philosophy of your defense too. Like, like what are we trying to take away primarily? So, um, and what are we okay with? And mm-hmm. and that should govern when you give help as well.
0: Okay. And now, and this is closely related, okay. helping yeah. off the strong side shooter. Kind of the thought for what that looks like, when to do it, and maybe the stipulation that. It might look different
1: if I was coaching at whatever level. Okay, um, I'm I'm probably on team. Don't help off the strong side corner. Um, I think that's a that team is gaining members um, as as that philosophy trickles down from the the professional leagues. You know, you see you see that more commonly practiced now than it used to be. Um, so I'm on team. Don't help off the strong side corner, um, but I would say that kind of goes back to like what are we, what are we trying to do defensively as a unit? Let's zoom out and ask that question. So, if it's to reduce opponent three point attempts, then you know, helping off the strong side corner where the driver sees the help sees the, 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 his teammate or her teammate to pitch to like right in their headlights. Like that's an easy pass. Like your 10th JV guy can make that pass. Right. So you're, you can, you're, yes, you stop the drive by helping off the strong side corner, but you, you, you might possibly pay a penalty in so doing. Um, so um, I would say that I'm on no help off the strong side corner. I don't want to paint a false dichotomy though, that it like either you do or you don't, because like I I didn't mind if players sort of like kind of like bluff, like they were going to help almost like a stunt, like stunted and then got back. Um, I didn't mind that, but I, I, I don't want them to stunt so far in and so aggressively that they can't get back. And the better the shooter, the, 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 the you know, the, I always analogize this to like a player leading off the first base bag in baseball. Like you, you you can stun off, but if the pitchers if you can lead off, but if the pitcher's got a good move to the bag, you're it's kind of risky, right? Like you could get picked off. Same thing. You could stun off, but too far in or too late or not timed or or, or then you you leave yourself subjected to that getting hit on that corner three. So, um, I I would almost rather don't. Stunt and just stay attached and leave it to the on-ball defender. If he gets beat, we'll pull help from the help side. But um, that's more—I um, don't know—that that's that's how I've preferred to do it. If I were coaching, maybe I guess you could make this like scouting re- report specific to an individual on the, your opposition who can't shoot. He's safe to help off of. They kick it back to him, but um, you know might go in, and you might lose by two. You know, I don't know. I just never felt great about that. Like I, I like, It kind of goes back. I just don't like open people. I just don't like open people. And I understand if we're going to help from the help side and help the helper, we're going to have to leave somebody open, but he's not or she's not right in the headlights of the driver. They can't see them. They have to jump skip or something like that to find them. So I think that's a more difficult play, and I want to veer the defense toward the more difficult play. There are other options other than stunting you could you know, help and peel switch or something like that, like that people are doing now. Uh, so I don't want to paint like a it's either this or that, a false dichotomy. But, um, yeah, I, I don't want that just helping in and then trying to get back. Mm-hmm. If I was on team, don't help, off, or I am going to help off the corner. If I was on that team, I would just rather you already be in. What I don't want is you coming in and then trying to get out, just already be in. And then it's just a one way recovery back to the pitch.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to the last topic of like what actually needs your help. Just because the ball is being driven at the short corner doesn't mean that that's something that needs help. But I would also say this if we're going back to like go help on something that's putting pressure on the rim, technically speaking, if the ball's on the right side of the floor, you would teach any other help situation. To come from the left side of the floor Mm -hmm. and i always just wonder why just because they're a corner shooter that we're like oh now we give help to go help on the same side of the floor but i get it i mean most of them say stunt i always wonder when the person tells me stunt what that looks like because if it looks like what you described as i'm lunging towards the ball or even just balance my balance is going towards the ball it is very difficult to recover back out to a corner shooter
1: that's a great question. I don't mean to interrupt, but I would say, or um, a great point. I I would almost use the word instead of stunt with my players. I said fake fake help, like fake, almost like I'm I'm like I I'm baiting you to throw it to the corner, but I'm going to show myself, anticipating that you're going to throw it. And I had a few players who kind of got that knack, and they would they would fake help, and then when the player let go of the ball to pass it to the corner they were kind of they would get steals that way almost like baiting you to make that pass by your your pattern of basketball play is always that player's going to help in and stay in and i'm going to make an easy kick and that well that's looks like what is about to happen and then when i throw it back you're already and you you kind of um fake the help that's i don't know if that puts any finer point on it but
0: No, that's good. I think that's that. I would tend to say that. I mean, if again, where is your balance? If it's coming towards the ball, expect to give up a shot in the corner. Now, whether or not the person that's standing out there can make it, I know can be argued. The level, who's standing out there, how quick their
1: releases, all of that, and and. uh, But I want you there on the catch, man, or take away the catch, or there on the catch. I don't like open players. So right, I think
0: the other extreme of this that maybe people think like. NBA has even changed with this. It's not like you're turning and running to deny because we don't even want that guy touching the ball. I heard one assistant coach at the NBA level say, we want to be 70% committed to the corner and 30% committed to the drive. So we're still emphasizing staying Mm -hmm. with that guy in the corner, but it's not like we're ignoring the ball as well. So You're
1: shrinking the space a little bit, but yeah. right.
0: Right. I think probably an overemphasis on one or the other will probably result in something that you're not probably willing to
1: live with. So, yeah.
0: The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love huddle assist. With assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and, of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. All right, next one here. <clears throat> this is always a, a question that I get it's for teams typically that are using something other than like a base defense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. How much time do you spend
1: on something other than your base defense? Like a, a secondary defense. Right. So, like if you're a man team but you have a zone that you may need at some point how how much time are you devoting to it right um it's hard for me to say in minutes or percentages but <laughs> but some weekly time for sure um i i coached primarily man to man defense and um but we did play some zone um 2 3 zone and i i spent some time teaching the zone um but if for no other reason, I want us to have a good one to practice against. So when we're practicing against the zone, it can kind of behave well. And and it we, we've got a coached up zone to practice against because we might play an opponent who plays this zone or we will play an opponent probably who plays um, the zone. So I wanted to have a good representation of it in our playbook. So it, for, if for no other reason to practice against it, but it might come in handy at times as well. I would say weekly, a weekly period devoted to your secondary base defense seems like a minimum to me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, your secondary defense other than your base. Uh, I kind of tended to um, pull it out and polish it up when I thought that it might be something we would use a little bit more against a certain opponent than just say – spot it every now and then like we might actually like play it some and and i would bring you know bring it out polish it up give it some more attention do some breakdown drills for it um in you know if we were going to use it against a specific opponent but at a bare minimum i think it's like we kind of need to review our package weekly even if we're not going to use it just in case we get in a game like hey man we're just getting gashed and man to man we're going to you know, if we hadn't worked on it in a month, then it's probably not gonna be much better, right? So I would say a weekly check-in with it it would be a minimum.
0: We found success in making our secondary defense principles similar to our, our primary defense. And that allowed us to kind of work on things less, less, you know, put a lot of a lot less amount of time into it. And the guys still played it well. So it's not like we were defending a ball screen one way in our primary defense and then in our secondary defense defending it separate and that's really why we made the switch to more of like a matchup zone. Yeah. The alignment gave people enough trouble. It wasn't typically like we were running this defense for the entire half and wanted to give a completely different look. And I would just caution like if you do want a completely different look, then expect or just understand you're probably going to have to de- devote more
1: practice time to it because it's so different from what the players. That's are That's probably true. Familiar with. Probably a mistake that I, because that's what I did want. Like my rationale is, if if well if our primary thing ain't working, man, let's yeah. let's switch it all the way up. Like I'm I'm using it to change the tone of the game, you know, yeah. completely. So I, yeah if you're going to be in it and stay in it yeah that's why i kind of said like i would if i felt like that was needed for a particular opponent i would dial up the practice minutes that particular week or something but yeah
0: okay that's good all right last one here and this kind of goes with those the, the did you ever use or did you ever switch defenses whether that was like mm-hmm. during a possession or it looked like one thing coming out of a baseline out of bounds and then switch to something else. So based off of a spot on the floor or number of passes or anything like that.
1: I'm not that smart, man. I didn't do that. <laughs> that, that I would outsmart myself if I tried to do sure. that. Or, and, and, and my players would have, you know, three of them would have done it right. And the other two were like, I thought we were in, you know, I'm sure. not that smart or that good. I don't think I, I, I stayed clear of that. Now that's not to say, like within the same game, might we be in man or like, and then you know after a timeout or, or free throw, I might say, hey, you know, twelve. We call our two-three zone twelve. You know, twelve mm-hmm. on the miss or something, twelve on the mate or something. You know, like spot it in there, but like intra possession, sort of that morphing type thing, I, I'd mess that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd mess that up. Yeah, I I'm guess not, my players might do. I, I'd mess it up. I'd. I'd i just just don't my brain works in compartments too much i guess
0: i've seen more like trying to do things like that i just watched a video online this morning about it and my brain started hurting after i was watching it a couple times and i'm sure that made sense and there was a pattern to it but i just wondered based off of the popularity i think i don't know that like a ton of people are doing it but whether that's starting in a two three zone on a baseline out of bounds and then as the balls entered going to a man or I've seen some which you know on three passes they'll switch to something else and I just don't know how many people have had success with that or if based off of the level they're playing at like just too confusing or whatever so
1: yeah I also like envision what would what would practice be like if that was my deal like it seems like there'd be just a lot of talking and rehearsing and I I like squeaky shoes and bouncy balls in practice. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend, a coaching friend who it's not the same as what you're talking about, like that intra-possession morphing like you're talking about, but he ran multiple defenses. Like if you scouted him at one, even one game, you would have seen diamond press, man-to-man, <laughs> one, two, 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 three, one, three, one. And he under his seat where he coached, he kept this like cardboard box. And he had, like, these towels that were different colors, like a green towel, a yellow towel, a red towel, a blue towel. And, like, he was an energetic, kind of one of those, like, you know, real fiery energetic coaches. And he'd reach down underneath his chair and grab the orange towel and, like, orange, orange, and wave the towel. And, like, that meant one, two, two, let's say. And then, you know, they'd make a basket. And he's trying to, like, real quick while the team's made, like, yellow, yellow. And, and, like, you see – and I was like, wow, okay, uh, there's a lot going on here. And um uh, now I can see how, you know, in, during the course of a four-quarter game, if I'm seeing man to man the whole game by we ought to start adjusting, executing, mm-hmm. get, you know, unless the team's better, clearly better than us. You know, we can kind of find our flow and rhythm in a certain against a certain defense and how a changing, you know, okay, they're in two, three now. Wait, now you know, about the time we get two, three unlocked, they've switched to a one-two-two. Two, and about the time we get that unlocked, they're back to man. I, I can see how that is troublesome to play against. Mm-hmm. Um it but I mean, I always I he's a good friend of mine, so I joked with him. I said, You look like one of those magicians doing like juggling <laughs> handkerchiefs, like having colored handkerchief, you know, and he's like, Hey, it it works because we keep teams out of their rhythm and flow and they they're always and if and if a coach just doesn't have like a sort of like a universal alignment approach they're having to call this and about the time they do that we switch it and they've got to call you know and it just sort of creates a lot of frustration so i've seen it work not my thing but yeah i've seen it work
0: during these early months especially these early weeks like i guess the overarching principle here is like how much time are you willing to devote to these things? And, um, are you willing to sacrifice maybe some other things for these things? If you view them as being that important. And to your point, probably some of these things would take up more time or more manpower than probably the return that you're going to get on the yeah. investment that you give to them.
1: I, I just so. think like, I always think, all right, to teach all that and to run it well, what, what are we not doing? Mm-hmm. What where's that? It's like time is like a budget. Like we, we took the money from this department and gave it to the, it, came from somewhere, right? So, right. where is that time coming from? Like, to do, I, I'd, I'd really like to sit and talk to someone who did that to kind of learn how they kind of rationalized all that, which I'm smart, reasonable minds can disagree. So, I'm sure they'd have a good answer. I, right. I I'd just like to hear it
0: right yeah for sure so these are some of the things that uh randy helps coaches think through randy you want to talk about the radius athletics ramp program that you have
1: yeah um you about to be in my eighth season um this is coming in fact um one there's a a coach that i've worked with for probably seven of those eight seasons um had his first game last night down in mississippi so it's somebody's they're already playing real Hmm. games so um and um so, this is season eight of where I just basically lend my eyes and ears and thoughts to coaches and help them in a group and one on one setting. And I, yeah, I'm just always looking to connect with more coaches. So, hit me up at Radius Athletics. And I. I year eight, we've been doing an analytics board where we take all the stats and data from all these teams and putting it into a big spreadsheet. It's, it's grown every year. So, the sample size on the data is pretty significant now um the the uh, the uh, the analytics piece is in year 6 so yeah we're we're getting we're getting some some good data and you know working with some great coaches too we had a couple state champions one last year uh people that just, I'm happy to be along on their journey
0: Yeah, Randy's a great resource, RadiusAthletics.com, where you can connect with him on Twitter. You can see if you're watching on the show at Radius Athletics. Thanks to all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the show, you can go back and watch or listen. To watch, go to YouTube, search Hoops Forum, and you'll find the full version of the show there on the Radius Athletics YouTube page. Or if you're more inclined to listen, you can go to any podcast platform and search a quick timeout, and there you'll find the audio version of the show. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next time on Hoops Forms.